When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sorry about the noise. My neighbour's sanding his deck. My motto? Don't work on your deck. Play on it. Life's good with a Trex deck. Low maintenance with a 25-year residential warranty. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Sports Day for Kia. Kia didn't just make an eight-seat family car. They made a grand utility vehicle. Kia Carnival GUV. And Toolmart, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA-owned and operated for over 40 years. Yes, good afternoon, everyone. Not forgetting tomorrow, it's the first of two semifinals in the T20 World Cup. And Sports Day will be broadcast at 1 o'clock tomorrow and Thursday, followed by the run home between 2 and 4 before we go to the Adelaide Oval, then the SCG uh, for the semi-finals. Great to have your company tonight. Uh, we're going to do something a bit different this evening. The World Series, which is baseball, and the Houston Astros are the World Series champions. That happened a couple of days ago. And... We're going to speak to a gentleman a bit later on who actually played for the Houston Astros and was the American League Gold Glove Award winner in 2012. He also was involved in a World Series championship with the Astros in 2017. It gave this fella his first championship. So it's quite ironic. The Houston Astros have just been crowned the World Series champions. And a fellow by the name of Josh Reddick, who's come out to Perth and will play with the Perth Heat in the opening series of the Australian Baseball League, the Claxton Shield they play for this weekend here in Perth. After, for the last two years, the Australian Baseball League has been in hiatus because of COVID. Josh Reddick will join me a bit later on in the program. Looking forward to having a chat to him. Probably the most high-profile baseball player that has come to Australia to take part in our domestic competition. And we'll have a chat to him in a little while. But tonight also we go inside the vault and we'll be looking at an incredible match that was played at the WACA ground in 1976. The exact date was December 12, 1976. They term it the miracle match. West Australia rolled for 77. It was called the Gillette Cup. It was a semi-final, and the winner would go through the final of what was then a 40-over-a-side competition, but they were eight-ball overs, which is different to 50 overs here. But the Gillette Cup, or the one-day domestic competition, was huge in Australia during those years. And all the star players played. Dennis Lilly played for Western Australia. And we had the likes of Greg Chappell, Viv Richards playing for Queensland. So we're going to relive that moment with West Australian, Australian and World Series opening batsman. And you wouldn't have heard from him for a long time, Bruce Laird. So Lairdy will join us 
a bit later on. In fact, not too far away to relive the 1977 Miracle Match. But first, the big news today is that the Socceroos coach, Graham Arnold, has announced the 26-man squad for the FIFA World Cup in Qatar. Injuries and a lack of first-team football for some key players meant that Arnold faced some pretty tough decision selections over the past few weeks leading up to the tournament. And in a huge surprise in some ways, Socceroos regulars Trent Sainsbury and Tommy Rogic have both missed selection for the squad. While teenage sensation, he's only a teenager, plays for the Central Coast Mariners, Garan Qual has been included despite never starting a professional match. Here, here is Graham Arnold to just reflect, certainly, firstly, on the squad. Graham, you talk about the excitement, and, and it is. Does it annoy you a little bit that the focus goes to who's not in rather than who you have selected? Yeah, look, that's, that's the way Australian media are these days. You know, it's, uh, it's all about the negativity. But, uh, you know, for me, it's, it's the positivity of the young kids, you know, the, the next generation. And, you know, of course, we're, play, we're coming up against some great opponents, but the only way you can upset those opponents is, is having players that can run all day and fight all day, the old Aussie DNA way. And that is, you know, when you go out in that pitch, you've got to win one of those 1v1 one, one one battles and it's an 11v11, but at the same time, you know, you've got to be able to compete physically with them uh, to be able to get that result. Now, a lot doesn't get spoken much anymore about, you know, the, 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 physic, the physical aspect of, mm. of football. But, uh, you know, these days you have to be a very good athlete and uh, you have to be able to get around the field and, and do that well. And uh, that's a style that uh, we expect to play at this World Cup is, is around, you know, making sure that uh, we may not be the best technical team there, but at the same time, Mentally and, and, and physically, we're going to be one of the better ones. Yeah, that's uh, Graham Arnold, the Socceroos coach with the 26-man squad announced today. In fact, it's the first one. Adam Taggart, the West Australian, wasn't selected as well. Uh, Trent Sainsbury, who started his football career with Armadale, uh, who has been the mainstay of the Socceroos' defence over the last couple of World Cups, was left out. So this is the first time... There will be no West Australian representation in the Socceroos squad at a World Cup since 2002. The Socceroos begin their World Cup campaign against the Fancies, and one of the Fancies to take out the tournament, France, on Wednesday, November 23. That's a 3 a.m. kickoff Perth time, followed by a clash with Tunisia three days later, 6 p.m., Saturday night, November 26. There's a chance of picking up points there. And this is going to be decisive, whether Australia can get out of the group and into the uh, last 16. The final group game for the Socceroos is against Denmark on Thursday, December the 1st. And in fact, that'll be a Wednesday night here, uh, November the 30th at 11pm. So uh, certainly some surprises. There always is some surprises. The 26-man squad has been named and uh, the Socceroos certainly now prepare for Qatar. And I tried to get to possibly Stan Lazaridis, who, as we know, proud West Australian, has represented the Socceroos at the 2006 World Cup in Germany. But unfortunately, uh, I couldn't track him down, Stan. He's a bit busy. He's ready to fly out to Qatar in a couple of days' time. And that update for the Socceroos brought to you by Tyre Power. Buy three and get one free on selected Falcon all-terrain tyres at your local Tyre Power store. Just repeating, tomorrow, Sports Day, 
is at one o'clock tomorrow being Wednesday and Thursday, followed by the run home with Hayes and Mardo, which, by the way, on Thursday will be live from the Wembley Hotel. So if you want to head down to the Wembley Hotel, the run home live from the Wembley Hotel on Thursday, November 10, between 2 and 4. We'll take a break. On the other side of the break here on Sports Day, we go inside the vault on this Tuesday. Yes, Sports Day on this Tuesday. And on this day for Baron O'Day, because the little things are everything, in 1987, we had a Cricket World Cup. It was held in India, and this match was played at Eden Gardens in Kolkata. And David Boone scored 75 as Australia beat England by seven runs for their first title. How things have changed. Our team can't even get into the semi-finals of a T20 World Cup now. And um, we're playing it on home soil. That's when everybody uh, revered and uh, worshipped in some ways the Australian cricket team. Things are a bit different these days. That's all thanks to Baron O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because little things are everything. Okay, as we do on a Tuesday, let's go inside the vault. We're going all the way back to December the 12th, 1976. And I'd love to get somebody on the Tempera Bedshed text machine line 0487 736 736 that may have been at the Wacker Ground on that day. On that day, WA were playing Queensland in what was known as the Gillette Cup one-day competition. 40 overs aside, eight ball overs then. WA were bowled out for 77 on that occasion in only 22.5 overs. And in reply, Queensland were in some ways sitting pretty to advance to the final of the one-day competition. In fact, their captain, Greg Chappell, said this uh, looking back on that match. I thought we could win it. Uh, we had Viv Richards, myself, um, and two international batters in the lineup. Um, you know, you'd think that perhaps one of us get some runs and uh, we'd be able to to win that game. But um, it didn't reckon on probably one of the great performers of all time, and that was Dennis Keith Lilly. And a man that knows Dennis Lilly played with him for WA and for Australia, and in World Series cricket days. And they're still very good mates. Stick together is Bruce Laird, who opened the batting for Western Australia in that miracle match back in 1976 with Rick Charlesworth, who, by the way, Rick Charlesworth top scored in that match with 25. And Bruce Laird 
now joins us on the program to relive that special moment in Australian and West Australian sporting folklore. Bruce, thanks for your time. That's no problem, Peter. How's how's life treating you? Uh, yeah, not too bad. I um, I've retired um, I, and uh, I live down Dunsborough. Good stuff. I've got a few acres down here, so sort of enjoying it down here. Having a look at the WA side, it was 40 overs maximum, of course, uh, in the one-day competition there at state level. It was Bruce Laird and Rick Charlesworth that opened the batting. Then Robbie Langer, Kim Hughes, Craig Sargent, Rod Marsh, who was the wicketkeeper and also the captain of the side, Ian Brayshaw, Bruce Yardley, Dennis Lilly, Mick Malone and Wayne Clark batted at number 11. I tell you what, some household names in that team that became very much part of West Australian and Australian cricket folklore over the years. Yeah, most of them I would have thought played for Australia mm. at some stage. Um, there wouldn't have been many didn't. Um, also, in those days, it was eight ball overs, I think, the 40 overs. Yeah. And tell us about uh, that match. Of course, a lot was said. Uh, WA batted first, rolled out for 77, only faced the 22.5 overs. You're the first to go. Uh, Tomo got you. Can you remember yeah. how quick Tomo was on the whacker wicket that day? Um, yeah, I can. Um, <laughs> the, the, the whacker was, in those days, was... Uh, the wickets were were prepared by Roy Abbott, who a lot of people mm. now wouldn't know, know who Roy was, but he was a fantastic curator. And um, and the wicket in those days was on a lot quicker than it is now. Um, and this particular day, I don't know why there may have been rain before, but the wicket was uh, very very green and it was sort of oily. Um, if, if you know what I mean, like yeah. Tomo, when he ran into the first ball, he, he slipped. He went over on his backside. He put his, you know, like his back foot down and just slid. And uh, and there was one of those wickets where you played a bit of cricket where you see the little indentations, you know, the little yes. where the balls hit the pitch and, and, and it leaves a mark, if you know what I mean. Mm. And uh, mm. so I was doing a bit. And, um, and, and Tomo and that... I always reckon Tomo, after he hurt his shoulder, in that would have been that year, I reckon. Yeah. Um, he wasn't quite as quick, but prior to that, he, he was really, really quick and very hard to judge his length because he had that unusual action. And uh, but he, he was quick, yeah. yeah. And he bowled really well that day. And but I didn't realise we only. That lasted 22 overs, really. Yeah, 22.5 overs. What's interesting also with the WA uh, knock is at one stage, after you were dismissed, uh, the side was one for 50. Robbie Langer and Rick Charlesworth took the score to 50 before Langer was dismissed. And then all of a sudden, yeah. it went bang, bang, yeah. bang, all out for 77. I know Bruce Yardley uh, smashed about 19 with a few boundaries <laughs> right at the end. But yeah. uh, at one stage, yeah. one for 50, all out for 77. Incredible, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, no, it was. Uh, and in those days, we used to get pretty good crowds there. You know, I think it was about seven or 8,000 there. And um, this Queensland had Viv Richards and Greg Chappell, I think, and um, and Tomo. Yes. And they had, pretty good, they had a pretty good side. And uh, so it was a reasonable crowd. And uh, I remember when we got out, you know, we, we were, you know, pretty as surprised as anyone else. And Dennis, before we went out to bowl, he said, he said a few choice words and said, let's not embarrass ourselves. 
So he, he was pretty fired up, mm. which he didn't do a lot before he went out. On that occasion, he did. And uh, he went out there, and I think the first over, he might have bowled four or five bounces. He bowled four, actually, to Viv Richards in a row. Yeah, and the umpire added word to him. Um, mm. um, yeah, and then he, I think he, yeah, then he bowled Richards, didn't he? That's right. That's right. He, um yeah, he bowled four bounces then. And then, and then Vic Richards played a defensive stroke with the fifth ball and yeah. got uh, bowled in the sixth ball. He faced six balls all up in that opening over, Viv Richards, and Lily got him. Yeah. But, gee, it must have been a massive bowling performance. I know you're good mates with Dennis and you're probably still keeping contact. He bowled 7.3 overs, one maiden, and took four for 21. And I suppose yeah. when, when Dennis Lilly is fired up, as you mentioned, and he can bowl quick, mm. you wouldn't want to be a mm. batsman, would you? No, I wouldn't. I'm, I was always glad he was on our side. <laughs> I, can tell, I can tell you that. But he, um, yeah, he was a good bowler, you know, and and he enjoyed playing for WA as much as anyone, you know. So he he, he tried just as hard playing for WA as he would playing for Australia. You know, he, he really um, he's a very loyal West Australian, mm. and uh, and I think he bounced Greg Chappell out too that day. Um, that's Greg, right. He, he well, got Greg Chappell. I hit a glove that, yeah. Yeah, and, and Marsh, yeah. the great Rod Marsh, the late great Rod Marsh, took the catch, uh, and yeah. Chappell went for two. So when you look at Richard's no score, Greg Chappell two, Phil Carlson, mm. who was a very good rounder, came in at number five. Yeah. He went for one. Um, yeah. And all of a sudden, when did you sense on the day that something special could transpire here? We made 77, but, gee whiz, we're in a yeah. chance of winning this. It was a semi final, and a final was at stake. Yeah. Um, once once we got, you know, the, the four or five out, you know, and we knew their tail. Like John McLean could hang around a bit, but the ball was doing that much. You know, that you, and we had good bowlers to exploit it. You know, Wayne Clark is a, a very good seam bowler, and Nick Malone, of course. And, mm. and I, you know, I'm talking after Dennis. And uh, so we we had the bowlers to exploit it too, and. Um, yeah, you know, we we always once we had them four or five for not many, and then panic set in. They, I think they had a run out somewhere. Yeah, that's and, right. John uh, McLean was run out in that match. That's right, and he still to this day reckons he wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> but he was a terrific bloke, John. And uh, yeah, but it was pretty close. Put it that way. Yeah. Tell us about a couple <laughs> of the characters in the team. I know you're still reportedly good mates with Dennis Lilly. What was he like mm. when he was? in that mood uh, and you know what was he like as a character did he have the ability and he must have on that day to get all the players riding on his shoulders and saying let's do it um yeah one thing i always say about dennis um and you, you can say that about any of the top you know the elite sportsman he's really driven you know he's got this huge drive and under you know under any circumstances and he always believed that he could do it Mm-hmm. And he, um, yeah, just and he didn't didn't carry on a lot, but when he did, he, you know, you knew he was yeah. going to do something exceptional. He always had the ability to do that. Like he yeah. he did that in that test. And I mean, Boxing Day, memory bowled is the last ball. That's right. Uh, uh, like a few years later, and he, um, yeah, he, he was a great bowler and a great. Well, I played a game with him in the West Indies once, and. Um, he bowled that many overs. Um, Ian Chappell sort of lost track of how many he bowled, and Dennis 
went down. He said, "Oh, look, I'm having blackouts." <laughs> yeah, like he, is that right? He never, yeah, he, he would never quit. You know, he, uh, unbelievable. What was yeah, uh, no, what he, was the late great Rod Marsh like as a captain? He was the captain of the West Australian team in that match. Uh, how did you find him yeah. as a leader? Oh, I reckon he was fantastic. I, I I reckon he would have been a great captain of Australia, actually, but he never got the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything. Backus is a great tactician. You know, he's a lot of the times he he'd always be consulting with the captain anyway, and they'd ask him. You know, it wasn't like he was imposing himself, but no, he was a, he was a great great captain, great guy. I suppose it was yeah, a last, it was a, last week. It must have been a huge shock to you, and uh, of course his teammates uh, when the news oh, came yeah, through. Terrible. Yeah, yeah, and I still find it hard to believe. Um, yeah. No, it was a shock to everyone. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, used to, he always kept in touch with everyone over here. He, uh, he, uh, yeah, it's um, terrible he's taken to young, that's for sure. He enjoyed life, Backers. Yeah, he certainly <laughs> did. But, but you all enjoyed life then. It was, it was a different... We just saw Australia get knocked out of the T20 World Cup, and all of a sudden, the people are saying that they've been, there's been a disconnect between the Australian uh, T20 side and the public, particularly even the Australian team. Full stop. After what happened in South Africa and what P- Pat Cummings said about the sponsor yeah. and all that, there was never yeah. any of that uh, in cricket, professional cricket, when you guys were playing. It seemed like it was just a bunch of mates going out to have fun and play and entertain the crowd. Is that what it was all about? Yeah, we felt like that. We um, I, we played for the team. I know that. You know, there's no there's no sort of individual performance. I, I, I sometimes I worry about the guys nowadays that they um, you know then they're full time, mind you, and uh, they just it's so performance driven now. And they you know, a lot of money. Mm. I think sometimes they might lose the. That we you know, we had the the team side of it first and foremost, and that probably showed through to the public. You know, we and I can honestly say, you know, in the rooms and that was always just about the team situation. And off the field, we had it pretty good. We all had good friendships, which they do now, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but you know, we we lived in a, we played in a pretty good era, I think. We. Uh, and there were some darn good cricketers going around. Don't worry about that when you look at some of the names that we just rattled off. Uh, Bruce Lett, yeah. lovely to chat to you. Thanks for joining us. It was certainly a uh, a match that lives in the memory of so many people that were either at the ground or saw it. Um, of course, we just heard commentary. I think Bobby Simpson was part of the commentary, Richie Benno, and it just resonates yeah. with the uh, West Australian cricket public. It was a special moment uh, on that day in December back in 1976. And thanks for sharing some of the memories with us. Yeah, that's no problem, Peter. Great to talk to you. Sports Day for Kia. Kia didn't just make an eight-seat family car. They made a grand utility vehicle. Kia Carnival GUV. And Toolmart, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA-owned and operated for over 40 years. That's right on 5.30. Get behind the Perth Wildcats this season. That was a good win away to the Adelaide 36ers. At the weekend, if you want to see them at RAC Arena, get your tickets, head to tickettech.com.au now. Peter Vlahos with you. Sports Day tomorrow and Thursday due to the semi-finals of the T20 World Cup. will be at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, 1 to 2 tomorrow and Thursday. 
followed by the run home with Hayes and Marto. And by the way, the run home on Thursday will be broadcast live from the Wembley Hotel. So get down there between two and four and catch up with uh, Paul Hazelby and Damien Martin. Let's have a look at a couple of the other bits and pieces that have occurred in the last uh, 24 hours. And really, it was interesting this morning on the morning program with Mark Duffield. He had Simon Garlick, the CEO of the Fremantle Dockers, as a guest on the program. And no doubt the big news to come out of the Dockers in the last 24 hours is after five years in charge of the AFLW side, Trent Cooper, the coach, was told that his contract would not be renewed. This is what uh, Simon Garlick had to say. It's been a really long and challenging period for you know every AFLW squad across the competition, I suppose. Um, given the, the two seasons pushed into the one calendar year, um, you know, significant amount of travel, um, fatigue around the COVID impact it's had. You know, we talk about an AFLW sense, but you could argue it's even more pronounced from an AFL, sorry, an AFL sense, but you could argue it's even more pronounced from an AFLW point of view, given the impact on people who aren't full-time athletes and, and our players who have jobs and university to go to and the like. Um, so we acknowledged that when we sat down with Trent um, as part of our review into season seven, um, considering a whole myriad of factors as we obviously need to do when you're working through a thorough process like that, it became apparent to us um, as difficult a decision it is to make in these sort of circumstances that we needed a reset and a bit of a refresh in our approach from a senior coaching perspective. Um, so as you said at the top, marker. A really difficult decision made even harder when it's um, when it's impacting good football people. So there you go. There's Simon Garlick on deciding not to offer uh, Trent Cooper an extension or another contract to be in charge of the AFLW side at the Fremantle Dockers. Of course, we're all looking ahead to what promises to be two fabulous semi-finals in the ICC Men's uh, T20 World Cup. The first one tomorrow gets underway at four o'clock our time between New Zealand and Pakistan. And we know that former Australian opening bat Matthew Hayden has been pivotal in the Pakistan outfit as a batting coach. Uh, have a listen to what he had to say to the players ahead of what is a, a huge game tomorrow against the Kiwis. But the moment that Pakistan cricket fires off with intent and starts to reveal its teeth, we become a real threat. There would be no one in this world in this competition that would want to face us right now. Not one. They thought they got rid of us. Now, they're not going to get rid of us. We are here, dug in. And that's powerful because no one wants us here. And that's, that's that element of surprise that we have got the advantage. So, boys, moving in the next couple of days, clear your minds. Be free and fresh when we come to the whichever game we play here or in Sydney and just unleash again with just good, positive intent, fearless cricket, almost forgetful cricket. Who cares what's happened over the last three weeks? We are here. There was nothing that was given to us, nor there should be, but it hasn't been easy. So, boys, this is... Yeah, interesting. I was reading an article in the Australian newspaper this morning suggesting that Australia's demise has been a bonus to the T20 World Cup as far as the interest in the attendances that could possibly break records uh, over the next three matches. That is the two semi-finals and the final. 
Uh, the Pakistan supporters will be out uh, certainly in great numbers, as will the Kiwi supporters to see New Zealand do battle with Pakistan at the SCG tomorrow. And then on Thursday, India and England will be a massive, massive game at the Adelaide Oval. So on the back end of, as we know, only 18,000 attending Australia's final group game against Pakistan at the Adelaide Oval, many people are saying Australia's demise has been a blessing in disguise in some way for the tournament. Interesting, isn't it, uh, the spin that certainly people are putting on. I'm looking forward to both semis. They'll be outstanding matches, and you can hear them both here on the SEN network. We'll take a break. On the other side of the break, we're going to talk baseball with one of, probably the most celebrated baseball player ever to come down under, and he's playing for the Heat. Welcome back to Sports Day with Peter Vlahos here on the SENWA Network. Well, after two years of no activity in the Australian Baseball League because of COVID, it's finally arrived. And this weekend, commencing on Friday, it is the Perth Heat. They'll be in action against Adelaide at the ballpark there in Thornley. Really looking forward to it. Three games and a man that's going to be one of the big draw cards is... Former American professional baseball outfielder. Now, this guy is a blue ribbon event, and it's a great ple- pleasure to have him on the program now. Josh Reddick, thanks for your time here on the program. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. I'm uh, looking forward to uh, getting going over here. Yeah. Give us your first impressions of the outback town of Perth, Western Australia. Oh, we're loving it. My family and I, we're, we're loving getting around and, and getting to experience the whole city. Um, some of the best parts is watching my kids enjoy it as well. You know, we're, we're experiencing all the playgrounds and all the parks we can before we get going here crazy. But during the week, that's what we're doing. We're spending our time getting out there, letting them explore. I think we're going to go to the zoo tomorrow. So looking forward to that. We've mm-hmm. already been to Caversham, oh, which yes. is a blast. My my kids love, you know, going to the zoo and petting the animals. So getting able, being able to pet kangaroos was was a new thing for them. But we're loving it. Uh, we're not just sitting around on our butts doing nothing. We're making sure we're getting out and getting full experience. you got twin boys, haven't you? Twin three-year-old boys, yes, and they keep me on my toes pretty much until they wake up, until they pass out for the night. <laughs> and uh, certainly a great experience for you, of course, your wife, Georgette, and your twin boys. So you've settled in nice and uh, well, and no doubt you're looking forward to playing some baseball here in Western Australia with a brand that is synonymous with delivering a good product to Perth Heat. Absolutely, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm ready for these games to start. As fun as it's been getting ready to practice, you know, the games are just a completely different world from the practice. You know, practice just seems to go slow. And I know a bunch of us are are ready to get these games going and uh, get ready to get out here and win some ball games and just have fun. You know, I'm still learning some guys and and getting to know everybody around here. And that's all fun and games. But like I said, I think we're ready to get going and, and play some real baseball. And I know that, you know, not only this city, but this league is ready to go after, you know, the two year hiatus of not being able to play so i know every everybody around the whole country is looking forward to getting baseball back into action how did you get down here and how did the invitation come it's funny because this this has been something that i've been working on with with my wife and um luke hughes and and jenna his 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 wife you know it's something we've been trying to work on for about seven or eight years and it's just something that we've talked about um doing at the end of my career whenever things just were slowing down in, in the major league baseball so 
Um, it was pretty much wherever they were, we were going to be. So it was lucky enough to fall on the Perth heat to where they were here in this area during this time. So, I mean, that was really the start of it, um, getting it going. Just wanted to be something that I wanted to do to kind of do at the end of my career before I got done with baseball. And um, my wife, who lived in, I think it's, is it McKay it's pronounced? I'm sorry if I pronounced it wrong. The other side of Mackay, yeah, sorry. So on the other side of the island, she was here for about two, two and a half years studying years ago. So I knew she loved this this place, and she always wanted to bring me over here, and it just so worked out that we had our kids at the right time to be able to bring them as well. What's interesting, Josh, of course, Western Australia has got a great pedigree when it comes to baseball, and even in recent time, Liam Hendricks, who we know quite well. Funny, Liam and I, Liam and I go way back to his Twins days when he was with the Twins and I was with the Red Sox. You know, we, we crossed paths just like I did with Luke. Um, we played against each other a lot, and then I was actually a, a teammate of, of Liam for a, for a long time being in Oakland A. And I have plenty of bats off of him, and I can personally say that I've got really good numbers off of him because he always threw me that first pitch heater right down the middle, and I wasn't waiting around. I wasn't waiting around for that dirty slider he's got, so I wanted to make sure I got that fastball. But um, I played with a bunch of good guys, you know, a bunch of good guys that come over, maybe not out of Perth, but out of this whole country. You know, I was teammates with, with Travis Blackley for a while, he was a part of a special team we had in Oakland there in 2012. Like I said, being able to play against Luke and, and play briefly with Luke in Oakland and play with Liam as well. Um, it's, it's been fun to uh, play against those guys and now to be on their turf, so to speak, to kind of see where they come from. Well, you are a Rolls-Royce player. There hasn't been anyone bigger, really, to come to these shores to take part in the Claxton Shield in the Australian Baseball League after all you won the American League Gold Glove Award back in 2012. But you did retire just a few months ago and decided to come out of retirement and maybe play a bit of uh, baseball here in Australia. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, I wouldn't really call it a full retirement yet. It was kind of a, a part-time retirement, I guess it would be the right way to say it. Um, unless something drastically happens to where, you know, a major league baseball team comes calling um, for next year after this league's over, I'll gladly take that opportunity, but I, I just don't see the way it's going now, the way after COVID's been with the way the direction major league baseball is going. I don't see it happening, but you never know. Things could happen, but um, you know, as of right now, this, this will probably be the end of the rope for me, but I, I'm not saying I will hang them up permanently. Like I said, if mm. somebody comes calling for next season, I'll jump on it, but as of right now, if I don't get any calls, this is going to be the last hoorah, I believe. It's interesting. You were called up to the major leagues back, I think, in July of 2009 uh, when you were brought in, and I believe your major uh, major league debut that very night when you were called up to that major league. Is that is that correct? Yes, it was actually a very nerve-wracking day for myself. I was in double-A baseball, and it was the trade deadline. So that it was the last day for trades to happen, and I was um, we were on the road in a hotel, and I had all my stuff packed up, and my manager kept telling me to sit in the lobby for about three or four hours because we didn't know what was going to happen. I was 100% sure that I had been traded or I was going to be traded. Um, I was doing well. I was a big prospect at that time. And then it came to come out that I had to take a three-and-a-half-hour car ride to Baltimore and meet up with the team, and I wasn't necessarily going to be on the team. I was just going to the hotel because they were waiting to see what happened with the deadline and with some injuries. And so the whole three hour car ride, my heart was just racing, ready to make my big league debut and trying to prepare. And I didn't know what was going to happen. But as soon as I got to my hotel room, I opened the door to my room and the uh, GM called Theo Epstein called me and told me that I needed to turn right back around and get in the car and come to the ballpark. That I was going to be activated. So I literally just threw my suitcase in the door and grabbed my stuff and walked right back out and went straight to the ballpark and, um, 
I was a defensive replacement that night. I pinch hit and went and played the outfield in the ninth inning, and then I made my first start the next day. Amazing. At the Houston Astros, of course, you went on to be part of the 2017 World Series, uh, giving yourself your first championship. What was that like in uh, your life? It must have been a special moment. Yeah, definitely. You know, my, probably my, my best career moment, I think, not only for me, but for my teammates in the city. You know, we, we went through so, through so much that year with Hurricane Harvey. We had a big hurricane come through that did so much damage. Um, but, yeah, personally in the career of, all of us, I think that's one of our better years. Obviously, they just won it, you know, two days ago, so I'm sure that's up there as well. But, you know, it's, it's really hard to explain. Winning a World Series is everything you can dream of as a child and as a baseball player and as an adult, but there's really no way to fully explain the feelings that you go through, so much emotion, so much joy, so much happiness. And, you know, you just you can't help but, you know, they, they always say there's no crying in baseball. But when moments like that happen, that crying is absolutely allowed. Mm. I think when when stuff like that happens, it's just it's it's you're just you're just overgrown with so much emotion that there's no way really to express yourself. It just let it all out and just let yourself go. And then that, that's what I felt like a bunch of my teammates. I can remember running on the field in L.A. and as I'm hugging everybody, everybody's got tears running down their face because we're all just so happy because that was such a close knit team. My whole four year tenure there was just so special probably some of the best years of my career being in baseball and you know that that's saying something because teams like that don't come around a whole lot whenever mm. you get teams that just they cheer for everybody they're excited they want everybody to do well just because they want to win so bad and you know that, like I said that's hard to find in a lot of teams a lot of teams just don't really have that that connection like we had there Give us an idea, because we've seen a lot of movies, a lot of Hollywood movies about baseball. You know, the tobacco-chewing coach and the players. <laughs> it seems to still have its its heritage. It still, seems still to have what made baseball uh, such a part of America over 100 years ago. Has it changed much? Because we know the other American sports have changed a bit and become a bit more Hollywood. But it looks like baseball still maintains its roots. Yeah, baseball kind of stays stays true. You know, they always say it's America's pastime, and I fully, I fully believe that. Um, they've changed some stuff since since the, uh, the COVID season happened. It's kind of went in a different direction, but they've always been, you know, that kind of release that gives the country what they need. And, you know, like I said, after COVID happened, it was kind of a welcome back kind of thing. Even though fans, fans couldn't go to the games, it was still something that kind of made them forget about what was going on during a pandemic and, you know, makes you forget about, politics makes you forget about just all the outside stuff gives you that escape for three to four hours so you don't have to really worry about anything and i think baseball is one of one of the sports that's actually staying true to that and keeping their fan bases on their toes and making sure that it's something where they can escape from the real, real world so to speak and and, and kind of have that release for them have you got a favorite baseball movie over the years that you like watching sitting back and just chilling out to Oh man, it's so hard to pick one. Um, this is such a common. You know, this is a common conversation you have amongst amongst players. Is what is your top three baseball movies? And I, I think you know. I think for me, I think I can sit back and watch Major League as many times as I want to. And I, and I think it'll always be funny because there's always it's like you know those movies and it's one of those movies you can quote every day in your life <laughs> and you never go a day without hearing anybody quote movies like that. You know, Major League. It's you know, if you're in the dugout and a guy throws a ball way outside, you know, you got the Bob Euchre just a bit outside. You know, it's just one of those things that, you know, it's a quotable movie that's easy to watch. It's so hilarious. 
Um, and, and, you know, and, and it all touches, you know, it touches home to a lot of baseball players. And then, you know, if I think if you go around the top three, I'm probably one of the few that pick um, a league of their own to be in their top three. I love a league of their own, you know, the women's baseball yeah. league from the war. You know, a lot of people really don't think that's a top baseball movie. But for me, I, I really love, love that movie because it just goes back to America's pastime. You know, when we were in some of the worst scenarios in that uh, country's history and existence, you know, the women really stepped up and made sure that, that, that baseball was something that lived on through the years. And I think that's just not only a history movie, but it's, it's also a really good movie. I think that the, the women that portrayed the actresses in that movie did a really good job. Um, and then Bull Durham. Bull Durham's number, number, top three as well. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you mentioned just, a, league, you know, a league of your own because that's one of my favourites. You know, Gina Davis and Madonna and Tom Hanks is brilliant in that movie. Talking about Oh, he's brilliant. Chewing. I come out, I wave my hat, I smile, <laughs> I go home. Yeah, he, he nails the manager job and then that. And, um, you know, being, being, you know, being guys that have been on the minor league roads for their life and understand what those long bus rides and those long days and those long games are about. Mm, you're still a young man, and you made, as we mentioned, your Major League uh, Baseball debut back in 2009, and here you are still playing the sport that you love in 2022. Do you look back and think to yourself, I've been blessed? Oh, yes, every day. You know, I've been honoured and blessed to be able to play this game, not only professionally as long as I have, but in my life. You know, as I started at four years old, I think, like most young boys do at that age, you know, they start playing and get into it. um, But, yes, definitely blessed in the professional aspect of the career. You know, came up against some good players. And, you know, I came up in an organization that's not really known, that wasn't really known for playing young guys back then. You know, back then the Boston Red Sox were about signing established players and veterans. And I was very fortunate that, when I got the opportunity, I made the most of it, and I stayed healthy and was able to um, play for almost 13 years in the big leagues, and a lot of people don't really get to have that opportunity or um, get blessed like that. So very, very honored, very blessed, very lucky to be able to have the experiences that I've had because not only for baseball, but, you know, baseball has, has paved the way for me to go and see not only the country but the world. You know, I've played like I'm, I'm about to experience it here. I've played in Japan. I've played in Taiwan. I've played in Mexico. I've played in the Dominican Republic. I've played in, you know, Toronto, Canada. I've been able to travel the whole world for free just to be able to play the game of baseball. So how many people get that that luxury to travel the world and, and not have to pay a dime to do it? Yeah, and you've got a few teammates that have come from the Dominican Republic. They just landed a couple of days ago from the Tampa Bay Rays, uh, who have got a great association, actually, with the Perth Heat. Yeah, they've, they've, it's been fun to watch those guys, you know, some real flamethrowers. From what I've seen in, 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 their, in their bullpens and our live at bat, they can, they can bring the heat. So it's, it's going to be fun to watch these guys, and not only them, but, you know, the guys, that, the infielders that we have have been putting on a show during batting practice. They're hitting balls into the trees out here at the ballpark. For those who know what it's like to see balls flying into the trees here, it's pretty special watching these young kids and um, just develop and, and learn and, and, and work their butts off. They're out here every day working their butts off and making sure that – they're getting ready. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's fun to watch these guys. It's been fun having a chat to you, Josh. I've really enjoyed it. Welcome to Perth. And let's say we see a lot of people heading, of course, to the ballpark to see the three-game series against Adelaide. Welcome to Perth. Enjoy the experience. I know your family's enjoying it as well. And uh, hopefully you can help the Perth Heat to the championship this summer. That's the goal. Bring the Claxton Shield back to Perth. Thanks, Josh. Thanks for your time. Yep. Yep. Thanks, Peter. Yeah, it's lovely having a chat to Josh Redding. So get down there to uh, the ballpark there in Thornley, the uh, baseball headquarters, and check out the first home series 
in the Australian Baseball League. First match on Friday and then, of course, matches on Saturday and Sunday. That's it for the program tonight. Thanks for joining us. I'll be back tomorrow because we've got the first of the two semi-finals in the T20 World Cup. I'll be uh, a special early program tomorrow at 1 o'clock into the uh, run home with Hayes and Mato at 2 o'clock. That's for tomorrow being Wednesday and Thursday. I look forward to your company then. Have a great night and I'll catch you tomorrow. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.